Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to Blonde Hair, Black Heart. A few of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills were in the news again this past week. They're really getting us invested before the season starts. So Garcelle Bouvet released her memoir, and it appears she sent all of her castmates a copy of the book because she's so sweet and probably in hopes that they would all do a little social media promo for her. Which, let's be clear, is very normal for the housewives. They all have businesses and they all expect, or at least hope, that the other women will support them. It's part of the game. Listen to Ramona. Support other women. (laughs) I mean, do you really think the Potomac ladies would have worn Robin's hats willingly? No. Well, surprisingly, the biggest plug of them all came from Garcelle's arch-rival Erica Jane, who posted a little story of her throwing Garcelle's book into the trash. Okay, here are my thoughts. First of all, she writes a caption like, At Garcelle, even though you unfollowed me, I know you're still going to see this. As if Garcelle is so thirsty and, like, looks through Erica's stories all the time. But Erica, you just tagged her. Of course she's going to see it. You just made it so she has to see it. (sighs) Fucking idiot. Second of all, if Erica was trying to shade Garcelle, she failed. Because, as I said, this was major promo for the book. Bravo fans were talking about this for days. Everyone wanted to know what was in the book that led Erica to post this. So much so, in fact, that when Erica did a Twitter Ask Me Anything last week, which, by the way, she was clearly wasted for, uh, (laughs) pretty much half of the questions were about Garcelle or her book. And Erica would make comments like, Garcelle used me and the other women to sell her book. But doesn't it kind of feel like Erica's the one that's hitching her pat-the-pussy wagon to Garcelle's memoir star? Like, this is Garcelle's moment, and you're making it about you. I don't know, maybe it's just me. But probably not. I'm usually spot on. Garcelle also appeared on Watch What Happens Live last week with my queen, Heather Dubrow. Honestly, this episode was made for me. Also, some of you may have seen Yours Truly featured on the after show last Monday when Lala Kent and Maya from Summerhouse were on. I got to ask Lala a question, and it's always fun to appear. This was my second time on Watch What Happens Live. But I had asked one of the producers if I could do the episode with Garcelle and Heather, because, obviously. Um, But they did not oblige. It's okay, I'm not gonna hold a grudge. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to hold a grudge. Okay, so Garcelle was asked a few shady questions, including whether she thinks she or Kyle is currently closer with Kathy. And Garcelle said that she is definitely closer with Kathy than Kyle is right now. Poor Dookie. All of this, though, is getting me so excited for the upcoming season, which is less than a month away. After a pretty lackluster ending to the Orange County season, I really need some oomph, you know? And the Beverly Hills cast has a lot of oomph. Oomphaka Jane. Lisa Oomphah. Darumph Kenslumph. <laughs> okay, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying anymore. Just give me the diamonds. On last week's Real Housewives of New Jersey, the gang heads to Nashville, Tennessee to ride bowls and throw drinks. There's nothing like a dinner party from hell, and leave it to the New Jersey ladies to really give us hell. Whenever you see Teresa get that kind of glazed-over, confused look and you can see she's struggling to make sense of anything and everything, you know shit's about to go down. So, as I'm sure you've all seen by now, Marge tells Teresa that she's a sick, disgusting liar, to which Teresa responds by throwing an entire table's worth of alcohol onto Margaret. It was classic Teresa, classic New Jersey. Uh, Teresa was screaming that Margaret was white trash, but honestly, she could have been screaming prostitution whore. It was all so familiar. And it's what I love about this show. It's so bottom of the barrel, it's so lowbrow, it's so joisy. <laughs> so a lot of people were divided on this fight, surprise, surprise, and whether or not Teresa was out of line. Obviously she was. Um, but here's where I might surprise you guys. While I think that Teresa acted like a crazy person, I don't think Margaret or her fans can be that upset when March herself has thrown someone in a pool and poured a drink over someone's head. It's just like tit for tat at this point, except instead of tit, it's wine flying in your face, and instead of tat, it's going into the pool fully clothed. I mean, at this point, they're basically just two kids playing prank wars. Not much else to say on this episode since the rest of the ladies pretty much just sat around watching like the rest of us. It's without a doubt the Teresa and Margaret show at this point. Now, this is a feud that I don't think gets enough credit. It's carrying the season, and I think it should be recognized as such. 
Margaret has slid into Caroline Manzo's clown shoes with ease. And it makes sense too, since her home looks like a fun house. But I actually kind of like it, don't tell anyone. What? It's fun! One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plump, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Sinmin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Sinmin has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Sinmin definitely helps. Okay, guys, I am so excited for today's guest. He is the ultimate 90s heartthrob. Like, legitimately, I had his poster on my wall as a kid. He's been in some of my favorite TV shows and movies ever. Ladies and gents, welcome Andrew Keegan. Hey, Andrew. Oh, how's everyone doing? I am on a <laughs> podcast. It's like being on a boat, except there's, you know, your phone and it's a camera thing. But, yeah, you know, and I'm on a podcast. No life vests on this boat. <laughs> well, we don't know yet. I might. I, I should have packed one. It's possible. Right? We'll see what we get into. Oh, well, thank you so much for being here. Um, this is so exciting for me. Like I said, I like legitimately had your poster on my wall when I was a kid. So getting to talk to you is, is pretty surreal. Um, but yeah, I mean, you were you were everywhere in the 90s and you were like the quintessential hot guy. I mean, what does that feel like to be like a bona fide heartthrob? Well, as far as posters on the wall, I have one story that just popped into my head that was really funny. My mom does hair in the industry. And of course, um, she was doing a film. It was called The Wedding Singer. Heard of it. And yeah. she had told Adam. Yeah, heard of it. She had told Adam Sandler and him being a funny guy. So I, I get to meet Adam Sandler on the set. And the first thing he tells me, and I think this was true. He said, I have your poster in my trailer over my toilet. And I was like, Nice to meet you too. That's a great story. So, right? Like, what is what does that mean exactly? Like, the placement of that is interesting. We'll we'll leave that. Maybe maybe we can get Adam on a podcast one day and he can explain <laughs> that. I I don't know, but oh uh, that was my that was my introduction. So, just a funny story with the posters. But you know, in reality, it was you know surreal. I think now the culture, everybody's uh, you know on the Instagram. You know, everybody's sort of Instagram famous to at least their friends. Yeah. Back then, you actually had to use a camera, get it printed, and then show somebody yourself in a picture. So it was a very unique time, I suppose, and of course before that, but to be um, in this sort of zeitgeist in the culture, uh, in, the, in the magazines was a big deal. And of course, it, it, it resulted in things where you would go to the, the mall or the airport or a place where there would be a group of young girls. And of course, of course it turned into melee. So and that's what I mean by surreal, because of course, what's that like? I, I experienced it. I don't know how to put it into words. It's a little bit like obviously uncomfortable on some level. Cause you're just being like fixated on. And then on another level, it's, it's, you know, it, 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 I, you got to admit like, all right, they're, you know, they, they, uh, someone, someone, likes the work that you you do as an actor or at least your picture in a magazine so i mean i guess that's um that's kind of it in a nutshell other than that i've, I've I, you know i've moved on from that it doesn't happen anymore every once in a while someone will you know obviously uh put two and two together i was out in la quinta last week weekend after working on this film and 
I was by myself just grabbing dinner and all of a sudden this this like dude comes up he's like there was a a, a bunch of fancy like you know cars like 57 Chevy and Monte Carlo that was doing the jumping thing the guy's like yo man can you come take a picture with my family and I was like sure sure and he's like oh, I was just scared of you I was like I'm kind of scared of you <laughs> but it was uh it was great we we hung out and I got to hang out with in their cars so you know it still happens once in a while but um yeah. you know I appreciate life as I was telling you before I, you know I do other work and other business but uh I was able to do a, a film this last weekend so we'll talk about that more later but I got yeah. I got more answers for your questions. What else you got for me? Well, I mean, you you touched on, you know, how social media uh, kind of makes everyone quasi-famous these days. And obviously social media and the internet are such a huge part of celebrity culture now and forming someone's brand, so to speak. Um, I mean, do you feel fortunate that you came up in Hollywood prior to the onslaught of social media commentary um, and, and not having to deal with that? Or do you think kids today are lucky because in a way they kind of get to to define their own careers via social media? A very loaded question, and I'm sure it cuts both ways. I, I personally had the experience that I had and I appreciate it and, and it didn't necessarily send me down the wrong road. And of course, that, <clears throat> that is often the question of like, how, how did you survive this child actor experience? And it, to me, was, like I said, a unique exp- uh, upbringing, if you will. Uh, but as far as now it's, I have a, speaking of people coming up, I have a child as well. She's only six, so we're not there yet, but it it is something that's, of course, I'm observing as a, as a parent, like, how am I going to get through this? I was actually working with an actor over the weekend. He had a 14 year old daughter. And and of course she's like, you know, and it's, I didn't, my, when, when I was 14, I don't know about you, but when I was 14, this, this didn't exist. We all, and we talked about it. We all had to like, call on a payphone or, you know, beepers came along later, but it was like, we actually had to meet somewhere and like hang out. And if you didn't show up, like there was not really an easy way to figure out what was going on. So I appreciated that experience as a child. And I wish I could provide that uh, to mine, but of course she's going to have, you know, technology in her hand. And it's even in the schools, they're talking, I was at a PTA meeting the other day and they're talking about, you know, the, things that kids need they're starting in, I think it was third grade and then you know so you can't avoid it as far as how it affects people I mean I, I think it has created a, a, a sort of a, a certain kind of narcissism in our community in our, in our in our culture and also a disconnect you know this young 14 year old is like on a set and in, in a phone so like I said double-edged sword i I have thoughts about it, feelings about it, and it, but it is what it is. And it's, you just got to do the best with it that you can. And that's sort of where I'm at with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I use it as a tool. It's so beneficial to me in so many ways, but you know, the flip side of that, I feel like, you know, such a like grumpy old grandpa being like, you know, back in my day, kids used to go out and play and, you know, like exactly, literally kids don't do that anymore. And if they are doing it, they're like, you know, uploading it to their TikTok and stuff. So it is a very, very different world. Like you said, that disconnect, you know, if I were a kid on a movie set, I I mean, I would just be like eyes wide, jaw to the ground. I wouldn't be in my phone, you know, because I didn't have a phone when I was a kid, but there's not that same, um, like awestruck experience in the real world because we're all just living virtually now, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's where it's at. So let's, let's live in the nostalgic while we have this time (laughs) together. Honestly, honestly. Okay. So how did you get into acting? I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess maybe with your mom and like the family business in a way. So yeah, both parents were in the industry. My father came out from Nebraska to be a actor which he did some of, and also other work in the industry. My mom also, well, actually, my mom immigrated here at 18 years old from Columbia, was a hairdresser on Hollywood and Vine. So like in the middle of Hollywood, they met. I think she, pretty sure she was cutting his hair, and that's how they met. Then uh, in the subsequent years, me and my brother came along, and it was a different time again. And We were cute kids, and they often, you know, agents and industry people was like, oh, your kid should do a commercial or this or that. And my mom did offer us up to that industry. And we were working pretty young. I think the first commercial I did, I was four. First movie I did as a basically an extra was, uh, I think, 12. And then I think I started guest star roles at about 
14, 15, first TV show at 15, 16, movie at 16. Then, uh, you know, from there it was Seventh Heaven, Moesha, Party of Five. You know, so I sort of worked all through my late teen years. And then I moved to Venice in early 20s. So uh, I had a good experience in that little window of time. And I quite frankly appreciate my time living in this wonderful community, which I focused the last period of my life or my adulthood in, in uh and that's how we know each other is through yeah. the community in Venice. So. Yeah, definitely. And people who aren't maybe familiar with Los Angeles don't really understand how like Hollywood to Venice is, you know, such a different world, even though it's what, maybe like 15 miles, but like worlds apart yeah. in, in terms of uh, like the vibe. And, and back then, even more, you know, everyone was, uh, there was a period, a long period of time where Venice was, is dangerous, you know, and it still is in some ways, like anywhere is, but people would not come down here and, and it was like off, you know, off ground. So it was like Hollywood and Venice were very, very different 20 years ago. Now, of course, everybody, the tech companies moved in and everybody wants to live here. And, but, you know, I can remember back then there was just like a couple of people that were like from the industry living in Venice. And I, again, that was another, speaking of nostalgic times, that was a good time uh, running around here early before everybody sort of discovered Venice, you know? Right. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned Party of Five, Seventh Heaven, Moesha. I mean, you were also on Full House. You were on Boy Meets World, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, now, when you're filming these shows, are you aware of how iconic they are or would become? Like, did it feel like a big deal being cast on these shows for these guest spots at the time? You know, going from high school to the Warner Brothers studios was absolutely a big deal. Being on the same lot with you know, family matters. And like you said, the shows that I did do was completely uh, a departure from my normal high school and, and, and home life. So in, in that way, of course, and, and how cool to be working on a set with amazing people and kind of just being in an adult world was always uh, fun and intriguing. And it, it required a degree of obviously, uh, a certain professionalism and you're in an adult world, the expectations, there's pressure. So I have a lot of respect for uh, young actors and based on my experience, it's, it's, it's a lot, but it's super cool. And look, I, anything to get out of school, that was, that was kind of where I was coming from too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, these shows that you appeared on, they are so iconic. Like they're such a huge part of pop culture and nostalgia culture. Um, so I, I definitely want to talk specifically about some of these guest spots that you did. Um, sure. I mean, first of all, have you watched any of these shows recently or like any of your episodes that you've been on? So it's funny you mentioned that. I recently took my little one to Disney World. So I went ahead and pulled up the Boy Meets World episode and said, we're going to Disney World. Of course, when we did this show, it was 20 years ago and there's like two more parks now and right. it's very different. And um, so I watched that. It's really funny to watch yourself. Uh, it's like going back and looking at pictures in your yearbook. You know, I was probably 18, 17 years old. I, I actually was, I was younger because I, my dad had to come with me. I remember that. So I had to have a chaperone. Uh, that, so that, that I watched recently, I, found that they had seventh heaven episodes on, I want to say Paramount. I could be wrong. Disney channel, one of the two. So I let her watch a little bit of that. Of course I played a single father. So I've, I've, I've gone back and pulled up the PG things that I've done so that I right. can show them to my little one. I don't generally make it a habit of going and watching my old television and film work, but I, I think uh, the only other thing I can think of is I did one of those screenings of 10 things not too long ago. So got to see that movie. Um, and it's really good, like really good. I remember the first time I saw it, you know, when you watch something you're in and you did it and it's like right afterwards, I think I even saw like a rough cut without music. I wasn't sure if that was going to turn out very good. Of course yeah. it was. And now you watch it and you're like, wow, they really, the music, the editing, the jokes. I mean, it was yeah. well-written. It I holds love up. The writers. It just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's so, and, and I hear that a lot too. There'll be, uh, you know, folks that tell me. I had my daughter watch it, you know, they they watched it, they're, they're my age and they're like, yeah, I let my kid watch it. They love it. So 
as far as things that I've seen, yeah, a few of those. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll definitely talk about 10 things I hate about you. Um, but I watched the boy meets world episode earlier today. Uh, oh, wow. so yeah, it's, okay. it's like a pretty iconic episode. You guys all go yeah. to Disney world. Um, yep. so your character, Ronnie and Topanga's character, you win like a, an essay contest and you get to go to Disney world, which there were never essay contests at my school sending us to Disney world. I, I would have entered if there were, but we did never, we never got that opportunity. Um, um, Who knows? But, you could have been at Disney World too. I know, right? I, I could have been chasing Topanga around like Corey was. Who knows? Um, right, right. So I actually did a little bit of research because I was thinking ABC was like advertising really hard for Disney World around this time. There was mm. this episode. There was an episode of Full House where they go to Disney World. There's an episode of Sabrina where they go to Disney World. So I, you know, went on the old Google and I found out that Disney actually bought ABC in February of 1996. And that's the year this episode came out. So they were Whoa. doing some serious cross promo there. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Look at yeah. you. I see this is, I had no, I no idea that I would come on and yeah. be, you know, get this kind of information. Amazing. Exactly. I love a good fun fact. It's a good fact. Um, so anyways, the, the episode, uh, Corey and Sean follow you and Topanga to Disney world. It's basically like Corey and Topanga trying to come back together and it's kind of touch and go there for a while because of you. Um, what was it like to be one of the few people who like almost came between Corey and Topanga? Well, let's see. <laughs> so in real life, because of course, it's always good to know what was going on behind the scenes. Of course. I was very good friends with Danielle Fischel, Topanga. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, we, we were like best friends, you know, not boyfriend and girlfriend or anything, but just like buddies from, I think we did an episode of Baywatch together when we were like, well, I mean, I'm a little bit older than her. So we had been, we had known each other. She got on the show. So I, and I also, I was filming something near them at one point. So I, like we would all go to each other's sets. So like, again, behind the scenes, the friends of and the child actors would like go, I think if I remember correctly, and I may be wrong, but I know that I did uh, this show Thunder Alley and I'm pretty sure that like Jessica Beale and Jessica Alba came to one of the like one of the um, shows, like one of the because a live audience. Yeah. Um, so it's like we were like all these kids running around and right. hanging out with each other on each other's sets. So what you know what was it like to? So I, I had a friendship with everyone. I guess is my point. Um, and the opportunity to do the show was kind of a, a, a wonderful like you know confirmation of like all right we're friends and now I get to be on your set and you get to be on mine. So. Um, and of course, going to Disney World, getting out of school again, getting out of school, going to Disney World was uh, pretty epic. I hadn't been back until I, like I said, just literally took my daughter and Thanksgiving time. So, yeah, so it was a, a pretty special moment to be able to get out of school, go to across the country and work it. And it was really nice, by the way. I didn't have as good of an experience this time. That time was like we were treated like royalty. We were in the parade this time. I could barely get a, uh, you know, a character to even like <laughs> look our direction. You know what I mean? I was actually going to ask, what was it like filming the episode at Disney world? Like, did they shut the park down or were you kind of like no. running around filming amongst the yeah. crowds? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course it's different now with the, with the equipment, the equipment was a lot bigger. Like cameras were literally the size of like, you know, briefcases or even bigger. So we, but the park was open. We just went around and they kind of like, you know, shuffled people over here to stay out of the shot and, yeah. and, um, and, uh, but also a fun way to be there. We didn't get to necessarily do anything. Cause of course we rode a couple rides, but that was only for the show. So it was, it's work, you know what I mean? You're there right. working, but, uh, it, it was still a super cool place to work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned, you know, this little crew of young Hollywood actors that you were friends with, um, what about like the dating scene back then? I mean, you dropped you dropped two Jessica's names and they're both like gorgeous Jessica's. I mean, was mm -hmm. you dating either of them? Were there any other like Hollywood it girls you, you were dating back then? You know, we were really very much a friend group. I mean, to say that we may or may not have made, I mean, I'm not going to kiss and tell. It was yeah. it's possible. So you, you definitely um, made out, yeah. <laughs> well, Jess and I played boyfriend and girlfriend, obviously, yeah. in, uh, on Seventh Heaven. And then Jessica's first movie was Camp Nowhere. She was very small. She replaced another actress, and that was kind of her first. And, of course, she just continued. Yeah. I see her on Instagram now. She's like a billionaire. <laughs> so I don't even know how that happened. That's amazing. I mean, I know how it happened. She's very good at what she does. 
So it's very nice. And they're actually very good fr- family friends. We did some family friend things together. So I'm, I know her mom and dad quite well. I actually did a movie with her brother, Joshua, a few years. Well, it's been a few years now. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, as far as dating, like I said, you know, we were all pretty young. So I don't, I don't even have, I don't even remember. I didn't have like a girlfriend. Like, right. Like I said, if, if we there was, just, it was nothing like heavy. No, 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 no. I'm not. And some people did obviously, or some, uh, there's a lot of, you know, young actors at the time. And, um, but yeah, no, I think we were young, smart enough and busy enough to not have boyfriends and girlfriends at the time. Yeah. Were, was there any actress that you were just like totally in love with and then got to work with them and were like, you know, starstruck or, or, you know, butterflies? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I had a huge crush on, I mean, who didn't have a crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the time. And then I ended up doing uh, the show Party Five. Yeah. So that that would probably be one that I can think of. Like she was, you know, was, her name is Love. Like how can right. you not be in love with a person's name? It's right, She's right there. Sweet. Yeah. It's right there. Right there. It's right. There. I think you, you and she were kind of like at the same time, like the it girl and the it guy. So that would have been, that would have been, you know, on the cover of J 14 or teen beat or whatever those magazines were back then. It could very well have been. <laughs> yes. But I, so I, well, I got to do the show and, and at the time, I think, in fact, I'm pretty sure she had a boyfriend anyway. So she, there, there's one who had a, uh, so, you know, but, that would be one other than that. I mean, I, I mean, I am friends with all, I've worked with different, you know, actresses at the time. We're all friends. Even to this day, I think we talked, uh, we did a film with um, Jody Sweden, Christine Lakin and Beverly Mitchell. Nineties TV royalty right there. Yeah. Yeah. Those three. So I did something years later uh, or years ago, a few years ago with them. So, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I really do appreciate all of those experiences, especially when we talk about it, like, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That life isn't so bad so far. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I, I think you should be able to reflect on it and yeah. Yeah. Like think how lucky you were. That's why I'm on a podcast right now, man. I'm exactly. on a podcast. We love it. I, I think this is my first podcast to be honest. No way. You're doing a great job. You don't need the life best. Yeah. Okay. Good, 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 good. I'm not sinking yet. <laughs> no, okay, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, so one of my all-time favorite shows is Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, I actually mm-hmm. have a Sabrina tattoo on my arm. Um, oh. So, yeah, I do. Um, you want to cool. see it? Yeah. It's like How the cartoon. It's like a sexy yeah, 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 yeah. cartoon okay. version of her. Um, okay, good. So you're featured on season one, episode eight, called Magic okay. Joel. And you yes. were Magic Joel. You're the title character. I mean, that's huge. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> um, yes, you're right. What was the experience like filming that show? Do you, do you have any fond memories from the set? Well, I have two, two thoughts. One, that's one that I've shown my daughter and she actually thinks I'm a magician now and she calls me magic Joel sometimes. So there's that. The other was, I remember when we were on the set that um, my mom used to work on the price is right. And so a different show had Bob Barker. And so I went over to his trailer. Cause like I, Bob, like I'm like, I was thinking, Hey Bob, I'm going to say hi. So I knock on his door and I'm like, Hey Bob. Uh, my mom, Lana, worked on your show. And he looked at me. He said, that's nice. Grabbed the door and slammed it. And I was like, okay. I'm gonna oh, go my back gosh. Going to go back to the set. So totally <laughs> side story. But yeah, Bob Barker slammed the door in my face. Oh, my God. I'd be like, but I spayed and neutered my pets. Come on. Exactly. Well, then, <laughs> by the way, then, of course, him and Adam Sandler went off and ended up doing a movie. So just go in the hole. Anyway, right. so, sorry. Bad impression. <laughs> Uh, working with Melissa Joan Hart was great. It was, so those shows were three camera shows. And at the time I, as mentioned, did, I did Thunder Alley, which was next to the home improvement set, same company. I did this, this show with Ed Asner and some kids, the three camera show, uh, filming process is intimidating and it's, uh, very for like, there's a certain kind of formula, you know, you, you gotta be funny and you gotta say your line and say it a certain way. And, and of course, when filming day comes, you have an audience. At that time, you had an actual audience. Yeah. So I can just say that it was all very nerve wracking for me. And uh, in, the, in that I just was young too. I just felt a little, I felt the nerves. I always like, that's one thing that pops out in my memory is like, man, that was, that was some difficult, like n- to deal with your nerves and make sure you said your lines right. And so 
it, it made that kind of impression on me being on a, on a three camera show. Uh, so that's like, and of course, uh, being magic Joel was this extra, like, voila, you know, I mean, I have a, 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 a certain kind of personality, but it, it required that extra, like, you know, uh, yeah. comic timing. So I, uh, brought magic Joel to the, you know, to the set as yeah. best as I could. He was great. And it definitely was like a, a departure for you in terms of like the type of character you, you uh, at that time were playing a lot of, like I said, like the hot guy, the popular guy. And this guy was like kind of awkward and weird. And um, right. interestingly enough though, for like more than half the episode, he's invisible. So were you doing like a lot of voiceover work? <laughs> I mean, I, off, off the side, I think, yeah, I had like a microphone. Yeah. I mean, look, what, who's, who's better than that? that can actually act invisibly. That's me. Hey, I like, even though I couldn't see you, I was just like enthralled. I believed every, I believed best every performance line. ever, right? Best performance yeah. ever. <laughs> oh Should have won gosh. an Oscar. Should've right. Won an Oscar for that. Or at least. Oh an Emmy. All right. Let's talk about 10 things I hate about you. This is sure. up there with one of my favorite movies of oh, all time. I, I made a vow that I'm not going to talk about that project anymore. Okay, grab your just life vest. Kidding. You're going just overboard. Kidding. Okay, now now I'm going going yeah. overboard. Oh, yeah. good. Okay, let's go. Let's go. All right. So I I watched this last night just to get it like fresh in my head, but I have to say it it never left my head because I was quoting every single line. Um I, it's so fucking good. Like I said, it holds up so well, and I think a lot of movies from this time period were really ahead of their time. Mm -hmm. I think especially like the teen comedies, um and maybe it's just because like it resonates with our generation now, so we think it's brilliant, but like they've aged really well. So, um I I was dying laughing watching this movie. Uh so you said the last time you saw it was at a screening a couple years ago? So I I did I did actually put it on more recently for my daughter and realized that I probably shouldn't have. She was only five at the time. And I'm like, you know, yeah, give it like a year or two. There's a few <laughs> things in there. I'm like covering her eyes. And yeah. I was like, don't worry about dad. <laughs> and you know, the character I played probably not the best uh, impression to have in her head. So right. I think I got through about half of it that, that time I was like, yeah, it's time for bed. It's let's, yeah. it's, let's go, let's go uh, brush your teeth and make dinner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we watched it. It's been a few years, but I do remember the one time I actually sat through the whole thing. I was like, wow, it was on the big screen. It was outdoors. I think it was like a Cinefest or something like that. And I was really impressed with, like you said, how it's, it's held up. I mean, it is based on Shakespeare. So of course right. Shakespeare is always, you know, is going to always hold up, but this particular movie as it was done was like a very well-written, uh, Kristen Smith, Kristen Smith. And, um, uh, actually, Oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank? Oh my gosh. I can't do that. Why is that? Okay. Well, Karen McCullough. Thank you so much, Karen. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Karen. You know, I love you. I just got, I got caught up. I'm a little nervous right now. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, that's Karen. First, first podcast. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure, you know? Exactly. My first one. So that's, that's my first flub up right there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well-written, uh, well-directed Gil Younger did a good job. Of course, the actors, even though at that time, very few, ha I mean, Heath hadn't even done a movie in the States. He didn't done a movie in Australia and a TV show, but this was his first movie. Gabrielle Union was, I mean, everybody, David Crumholds, hilarious. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, of course, an amazing cast. And they, they went in casting that they, they did take a very, you know, uh, take a risk, if you will, with how they cast it, there would have been more obvious box office kind of names or famous young actors. And they really stuck to their guns. I remember Andrew Lazar, the producer, just like, I, and everyone really, the writers and the, and it was nice of the studio to trust them, especially with someone like Heath in the lead. I mean, he had, he was, they, they don't do that anymore. They don't right. let a studio cast a, an unknown and Julia Stiles, for that matter, she had only done, I think this, um, uh, what is it, a short film or yeah, I think it was a short film at the time. So you basically had two unknown leads in this movie, which was unheard of. And it's even more unheard of now. You know? Yeah. Well, the movie is so well casted. Everyone nails their roles. And I think uh, specifically with Heath Ledger's character and Julia Stiles characters, I mean, they have to play these 
these characters who are so feared by everyone, but they still have to be liked by the audience. And that's, that takes right. a really special type of actor. And the two of them right. totally, totally nailed it. You, you didn't think, you didn't think I, you didn't think I was scary? Well, no, but I think that's how you are in real life. You're it's just, oh, okay. it, it works good, good, typecast, good, good. you know, <laughs> gotta be intimidating. Baby. Right. Gotta be right? intimidating. <laughs> no, the script is so good. I love like the juxtaposition of Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, Cameron, you know, quoting Shakespeare being like, I pine. I perish. And then immediately afterwards you have um, the girls talking about like their sketchers and their Prada backpacks. And it's just like, it's so fucking funny. It's so, so good. Um, so as we mentioned, it's based off of Shakespeare. It's based off of the taming of the shrew. Uh, you, you got started in acting really, really young. Did you have the opportunity to do any Shakespeare acting before this? I So obviously we, it was based off of in the language other than quotes that you just mentioned right <laughs> were were not in the film so we we didn't specifically refer to taming of the shrew that much mm-hmm. however i did another adaptation called o yes which was based on othello also with julia styles also with julia styles tim blake nelson was the director in that experience that was a a, a drama of course a very so it was different but we did actually refer to the play at the be and during rehearsals uh, quite a bit. So I guess that was the closest to working with Shakespeare. I find Shakespeare to be, of course, amazing. It's just, it's a, that's a challenge to work with that material. And I've, other than the films had, have not been, um, had not had that experience and I'm not sure I'm cut out for that uh, or that I would, be particularly good. I, I, it's possible, I suppose, yeah. but it hasn't happened yet other than the films. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that's so interesting that both you and Julia Stiles went on to do another Shakespeare remake together. I mean, at the time right. were you, at the time were you like, uh, is this going to become a thing? Like, is this our, are we going to do a third? <laughs> I mean, a third, Hey, it's still possible. You right? never know. Yeah. Could yeah. Be, could be. <laughs> I think she ended up, I think she did. Didn't she do one with Ethan Hawke? I think she did one more Shakespeare. I'll have to look that uh, up. Yeah, yeah, we'll look that up. Okay, so in 10 Things, you play Joey Donner. Uh, mm-hmm. He is he is a student slash model with a tube sock ad coming out and a nose spray ad on Monday. Yep. Um, y- you guys are all really young and good looking. I know I, I already asked if you'd, you know, hooked up with any of the Jessicas and I'll, I'll keep your personal life out of this, but on the set where they're like on set romances because you guys were all so young and on location together. Yes. And I'm not sure if it's complete, if it's out there. I know at the time it was kind of a secret and maybe I'm divulging more than I should, but for you, that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. (laughs) So it, it, it did turn out that I feel like I'm letting a cat out of the bag here, whatever. Uh, Joseph, I'm so old. I don't care anymore. What are they going to do? Be mad at me? Exactly. Uh, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Julia Stiles actually were like a little bit of a thing that started there. And I remember they continued in somewhat secrecy because of course, I don't know, they just didn't want to deal with it in the public, but they were, so when we, so we did, oh, about six months later. And I think at that time they were still dating for a little while. And I don't know uh, how long it would be. So that, that was the, that would have been one romantic connection. Wow. That, Juicy. Uh, yeah, there you go. So you got you got a little insight, a little insight on that, that one. I love um, that. I'm gonna watch the movie yeah. so differently now. You know, yeah. I'm now you know changes everything. Now you know. Other other than that, uh, you know, I had a, a crush on Gabrielle Union, and and she was actually a little bit older, by the way. But uh, yeah, she was. She's like, you're too young, man. You're too young. So she's gorgeous and and she's amazing doesn't age at all and if she was no right if she was older than you then that means she was playing like a 16 year old for 20 some years so good for her yes that's exactly (laughs) what happened she looks very very good amazing um so we touched on you know how the the film took a lot of liberties you know from the shakespeare play it didn't uh follow it too too closely um but there were a lot of references within the movie uh for example the school that you guys attend is padua high school um but it looks unlike any high school i have ever seen like was that a castle that you guys were filming at so interesting story turn of the century they had built that as a hotel 
um, I think something happened, some kind of bankruptcy of some sort. And they, so the design specifically was for, for that. And of course uh, they turned it into a high school. So yeah, it was an old turn of the century hotel that uh, the city turned into a high school. Wait, it was like, it was an actual high school. That was a real high school. Like yeah. a, pu- a public high school. Yeah. Well, I mean the city of Tacoma. So I, I don't think, yeah, it's not private. That was a real high school. Wow. Yeah. I, I need to move to Tacoma. <laughs> yeah. The, it's the, uh, no, of course I can't say it now. Puget sound, I think is, yeah. is what the water is right there. Uh, the, the, the lake, the, well, no, it's a sound, whatever. See, look, I should, <laughs> I was at a high school quite, I told you I was working during high school. See, see how much stuff I didn't learn. You didn't Kids have a tutor on s- set. <laughs> yes. But stay in school. Don't do what I did. Stay in school. It's, it's good advice. Um, it's true. So yeah, so that was a real, yeah, that was a real high school. And like, wow. sometimes I get messages from people like, Oh, I went, I really went to that high school, you know? Um, stunning though. I mean, I remember yeah. looking out over that, uh, looking at that view and it was just like epic, yeah. super epic. Well, when I watched the movie, I mean, when it came out, I was like eight. And I remember thinking like, that's what high school is going to be like. And then right. <laughs> I go for freshman year and I was like, fuck, this is not what I thought it was going to be like. Oh. You're like in a concrete jungle with like walls and fences and green, you know, this isn't right. cool. There's no like uh ska band performing on the roof of my high school. Yeah. Come no, on. <laughs> I know. I know you got short change. I feel I for you, man. I did. Uh, all right. You talked about Heath Ledger. This was a breakout role for him. What was it like working with him? I mean, an, an icon. I may have told these stories before. I just remember initially we, he was delayed to the rehearsals. And I don't even know if they, they, they probably like, we literally had a headshot. Remember there's like no social media. You can't just Google anything. You're like, okay, looking at this headshot, this guy is going to show up and he's going to be, you know, Patrick Verona. So I remember walking into the, I want to say it was the Marriott or some hotel there. And I went to get on the elevator and, oh no, I was in the elevator. The door's closing and some guy comes and throws his hand in there. And I'm like, oh. And then this dude with the long hair and he had, a, he literally had a didgeridoo with him. You know, those like things. Yeah. So that was my first like moment with him in an elevator, like kind of one of those things like, okay. Like in the movie, like <laughs> right. this guy, all the yeah. hair and everything. We were, ended up being a very close cast. We all hung out a lot. We actually got so tired of us at the hotel. They like gave us a whole floor together so we could all just hang out up there, listen to music, smoke weed. Oh, but I say that? It's legal now, so it's fine. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was illegal at the time. We were I think the kids. the statute of limitations is is I'm well yeah. passed. I'm good. Um, so yeah, we had a great time. Like I said, we all got along really well. There was no drama of any sort. Um, I think you know. I think we told the story at one point too. Like they, we had like a a, a really we got a really long joint put together, rolled together back then. And uh, that was when we got a little bit of trouble. They're like, you're going to the top floor. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we would hang out. And of course, as far as Heath, we, we, we can, you know, we stayed in touch. And when he came back to LA, we ended up spending a lot of time that first year because neither of us, well, I, I did the O movie about six months later, but that first six months. And of course, when I came back, so we spent a lot of time until he started uh, working, which was about a year later. So I, I really was in a, at a special moment being able to, run around Hollywood, nobody knowing who he was, you know, um, and hanging out. Like we just hung out, you know, it's like, we got an audition, we'd run lines. We, he he was so creative. He would be taking photos and I, you know, of course that's all tied up in, in in a vault somewhere, but I'm sure there's, I'd love to get, you know, check out those photos and see if I get a photo of myself that he took, you know, it's there, it's there somewhere. But uh, I remember him. I, Oh, I remember. Oh yeah. I remember he would always like, you know, come up and, I'd be so cool to have one of those right now, man. Well, and because you've probably never seen the photo. I mean, it wasn't like he took it no. and could show it to you on his phone. Yeah, that was all developed. It's it's all there. I mean, if you watch that documentary, I Am Heath Ledger, it's amazing the kind of material that he created and, and that exists. So it's there, but uh, maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. What do you think Joey is up to today? Like, where did he end up in life? I answered this question in an article recently. Uh, I just, each time I'm going to make something up different. Yeah. Improvise. Um, you know, I, I think I told, I said in that article, like maybe he was in the bank banking industry. I don't know why, you know, 
maybe a real estate agent. That's it. Yes. That makes so much sense. He's like a wheeling and dealing real estate agent. Like, Hey, I, you know, 3%, 4%, you know, and I'm gonna sell you a house. That's what it is. Yeah. He's definitely an agent. Yep. Yeah. His face is on a bus bench somewhere. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Great answer. Or an injury lawyer attorney. We could keep going with this. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's a, a little bit of a scammer, you know? Yeah. He's an ambulance chaser. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Last question about 10 things I hate about you. And this is probably the most pressing question. All right. Okay. Once and for all. Oh, wow. Black shirt. You're going, you're going there, huh? Black shirt or, or white shirt. I don't even know what I said in the movie. I know one was more pensive. I think I, right now in this particular moment, I think the match is the white shirt. Yeah. I'm going for white. I so, agree. You know, I mean, despite the fact that I'm wearing a plain black shirt now, but that's why I wasn't going to go black. I wasn't going to give it to you. There you go. I'm going, I'm going lighter. God, you asshole. Right. I know. Come on. It's just method acting. What like I said, yeah. Typecast. Typecasting. <laughs> okay. So right now you're working on a project called High Tide, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, tell me about it. So it's been a little while. The last show that I did was for Netflix called Trinkets. I played a dad, and that was actually one of the writers from 10 Things, Kristen oh, cool. Smith. Um, so it's been a little bit of a hiatus. I have a, a you know, like I said a few times now, I've got a daughter. But so, you know, I wanted to be available to her through these early formidable years. So of course that was like a two or three day job. And I I I do small job, you know, small projects and uh so this one came across the table recently so we just filmed up in idlewild the film is a social justice movie um you know what i really like about it is that it's it says some it's about something and something relevant and it's current so i play a detective um and i'm there's a there's a it's kind of not exactly like uh as far as the timing like this recent history where there's been an increase and there is an increase now on violence, racially motivated violence. So that's kind of what the movie's about. So I'm following one case and then the lead girl and her sister in the movie. And I don't want to give too much away, but uh, they're attacked and the younger sister loses her life and the older sister, that's the case that I'm on. And she's basically avenging her sister's murder and the, the, the guys that the neo-Nazi guys that did it. So getting to play detective, I have a, I had to do a scene the other day with my, in the, uh, my character as an ex-husband and they had been through something uh, similar. So that's why he's passionate about the work that he does. And yeah, it's great. It's a great little movie. It'll be in the, you know, the kind of festival movie, something you'll see uh, come through town if you have a film festival in your town. And I'm excited to, to, to do some of those when that comes around probably next year. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to be back on set. There's some, you know, like I was saying earlier, it's not in front of three cameras, but there was a lot of, a lot of big scenes, large, large amounts of dialogue. So I've been working on that, but it's nice to be done. We actually were supposed to film last night or Sunday night, but uh, so the stunt people had gotten sick. So I've got one more day to finish this film. And from here on out, I'm, I'm open and looking to do more work in that industry. Awesome. That's great. Do you hear that everyone? He's yeah. he wants to do more work. Call me, call me <laughs> or DM. I guess that that's what the kids do now. DM me. That's what they're doing. Um, okay. Do you feel comfortable uh, talking a little bit about full circle? Sure. Okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll start by telling this story. So the actor that I was working with was like, um, so I read this story and he was like baby stepping in nice. Cause we were working together. He's like, so uh, you, you were, the cult you couldn't even put it into words and i'm like all right let me explain it to you yeah so i'll do the same in this moment of course the media you know we were in a spiritual space a church i'm an actor those stories generally don't end well so and and quite frankly are there are some very spectacular stories cult stories of course that's not what it was but that is how it was presented in the media and the media does what the media does and it's fine um but yeah no i mean we had a really wonderful experience. It was an opportunity to be in the space. I was really inspired. Like I had said earlier, being in the community of Venice, we did uh, uh, an Occupy Venice. So there was like all this creative energy and people that wanted social justice or, you know, wanted things to be better. And that's where it originated from. So yeah, we did 
almost a thousand events. I think we counted them at one point, like 970 something events in three years. We were at a point where we were very much purchasing the property. We were in escrow. My daughter was about, I think she was about 18 months at the time, or maybe even younger, no, in about 15 months. And there's a lot of things going on. There was a lot of homelessness issues. We had a lot of, you know, unfortunate, it just became dangerous to be honest. And so I just thought better of it. I, like I said earlier, I really wanted to focus on being a dad and it was very difficult uh, amount of energy required to operate a space and, and all the events. The highlights, of course, we had wonderful people come through, uh, such as, you know, such as yourself. Um, we had uh, Marion Williamson. Um, I'm just, I mean, like I could go on and on. So like, it was a really cool experience in my life that I, I just appreciate all the things that I learned also, all the connections that were made, you know, but more specifically, I don't know, you know, what other questions there are around it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I Anything think you specific? kind of, no, I think you kind of nailed it. Yeah. There's, there's like weird talk of, about it like you said, being a cult yeah. and that you were the, the quote unquote cult leader. Um, I, I personally went to an event at full circle. You know, I can say on the record, I wasn't culted or like, you know, right. brought into this cult. Um, I don't know. I mean, personally, I'd love to make this podcast a cult and just, you know, have all my listeners follow me. Um, I wouldn't make them drink Kool-Aid though. I'd make them drink like lots of iced coffee. <laughs> yeah. We had like, what, what did we have? We had a uh, kombucha. Yeah, no, but I, I went to a Halloween party there and it was just like a mm -hmm. regular Halloween party. And yeah, um, I don't know what they were talking about. They're just, yeah. they're just trying to, they're just trying to sell mag like clickbait. It's yeah. dumb. Yeah. Well, I wanted Whatever. to give you the opportunity to clear the yeah. air. You're not a cult leader. You're just kind of an asshole. Thank you. Finally. <laughs> the, the, you understand me. You and my mom. Pet me. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. Andrew, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me. I had the best yes. time talking to you. I really appreciate yeah. it. The, and I'm not exaggerating. Like I know that I've been doing, I've done zoom things before, but I think literally this might be my, might be my first actual podcast. I don't, I, yeah, I think this is it. So thanks for being my first. Well, it might be the last after your co-stars hear you spilling tea on their dating lines, I know. but I, I'm glad I got you when I did. <laughs> I know it's like from here to Joe Rogan. I'm, 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 that's my next one. I think Oh God, so no. just, just go right there. Right. <laughs> okay. It's time to get that life vest. <laughs> I know now I gotta, he's like, he's like, Clay, how do I, you can just shut me off anytime you want. I might just keep talking. You never know. <laughs> well, you have to send my best to Matthew and uh, look out for high tide. Look, at, if you want to check me out, I'm on um, Instagram, Andrew Keegan, but like it's just GN uh, uh, at Instagram. So you can check me out there. I'm not so good at it, but I'll post something soon. And uh, yeah, other than that, I'm just now I'm rambling. I love you very oh much for uh, I love it for sharing this time with me. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much. And I will hopefully see you soon. Sounds good. Sending you all the best. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.